Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy, happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, your Friday weekend edition, which is not this week a playoff betting primer. We did that yesterday. No need to do that crap again today. I say crap, of course, with the utmost of respect and affection because I like talking about that stuff. But today, we'll pivot back into fantasy stuff. I wanted to try to save some of the team breakdowns a little bit longer if possible. I'm also hoping that next week my schedule gets back to kind of a whatever reasonable facsimile of normal that parents of multiple children can actually get to. And then maybe we can start getting some lessons learned from other folks. But I thought an interesting topic today... Uh, by the way, hi, uh, I'm I'm Dan Vespers. You you guys know that already. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, I'll give you guys some promo stuff in the middle of the show. I thought an interesting topic, or kind of like a, a set of topics for today is... Uh, it's a bit more broad, and I don't know that it's actually going to specifically help any of you, but I hope it does get you guys and gals thinking about how you approach playing fantasy basketball. This isn't a lesson learned from this year. This is a lesson culled by many years of trial and error. And today's topic is about how you extend yourself in a fantasy basketball season. Or any fantasy sport, I guess. But specifically basketball, because that's what we cover on this show. And I kind of I don't say kind of. I really do, I think, have a really strong understanding of the the arc of a fantasy basketball season and the different types of leagues. I don't do much in the way of dynasty, but just time commitment, expectations, things of that nature. And so if we're going to go back to like early high school, how to write a paper type of moment, the thesis for today is that fantasy basketball needs to be the right combination of fun and rewarding for each individual person. I know this is like sort of an oddly existential topic for a fantasy basketball daily podcast, but it's not something we've talked about all that much. And you can, I think, take today's discussion and apply it to yourself in a way that I can't do for you. So what I can do is talk a little bit about myself and hopefully that this discussion, this this show of self-reflection on the fantasy basketball side helps each of you in some small way connect with your own relationship with fantasy basketball. Over the last three years or so, I've undergone an intense fantasy basketball set of experiments, which in particular revolved around the combination of quantity of leagues, quality of leagues, type of leagues, and cash contained within said leagues. I don't know that we need to get too deep into uh, the quality of the leagues, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to cover each of those things one by one. So that's now... What's that? That's the topic sentence of our of our fantasy essay of the day. 
been written a paper in a long time if that wasn't super obvious to you guys right now. I know you, some of you that are writers, teachers, folks that are good with the words are sitting back and thinking, what in the ever-loved crap is this dude talking about right now? I remember it was uh, concrete detail and then commentary. I remember. See, it's still in there. I know high school was like 25 years ago, but it's still in there. Good Lord. Not quite that long. Almost. Crap. I guess if you went to the first year of high school, it was about 25 years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that feeling at all. Oh, well. Okay. So here's what I've come across in my own experiments. And I would offer to you, maybe it's worth doing the same thing. I understand the hesitation before we even get into any of the results of it. I understand the hesitation to go down this path because not many of us want to do things that take multiple years to do that don't have some sort of massive payoff at the end. And this doesn't. This very much is not an experiment with a massive payoff. The goal of this experiment was to figure out exactly how many fantasy leagues I should be doing and for what exact amount of money they should be for, and what exact types of leagues they should be. I'm betting that most of you, even those of you that are starting to come back in your mind, you're already coming back at me with, I know, what, I know what's good for me right now. I'm betting that a vast majority of you, and I know sometimes we struggle with the concept of the outlier, I'm sure there are some of you that have done this, but I'm guessing most of you haven't taken multiple years to figure this exact set of questions out. What I've done, again, doesn't solve this problem for you guys, which sucks because I'm doing a podcast on it and there should be, much like with my experiment, some sort of payoff at the end, but there kind of isn't. This show, this episode, is somewhat payoffless. There isn't one for you specifically. But there has been a little one for me. So, starting about three years ago, I was in one Roto Redraft League, one head-to-head league with friends. That's the home league. We all have our home league. You know how I hate head-to-head leagues, but that's what they want to do, so, you know, whatever. Uh, And one keeper league. For money. Those are the three leagues I was in for money. Then I had uh, 30 deep with the industry pros. That's not for money. That's for bragging rights. So, you know, as much as I'd love to win it, it is actually a tiny bit. It's a clicker to down the totem pole because, you know, clout is great, but I I prefer money. (laughs) I'll I'll hopefully be able to develop clout with a ridiculous Twitter presence and a daily podcast for from now in in perpetuity. We'll try to get clout that way. And if the fact that some of you guys, when I'm doing these recruiting pitches, you get on the phone, you're like, oh my God, I'm talking to Dan. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're using the wrong inflection. You should be saying, oh, I'm talking to Dan. If any of that is an indicator, then, you know, whatever niche fame, it'll come. I've become slightly addicted to it. I'm willing to admit that. When you have a problem, you admit it. So I, I, I don't count the the leagues for clout in my discussion. This is about leagues for cash because those are the ones that are going to garner more of your attention. 
So again, talking about, and this is maybe it was more like four or five years ago. I time is, I guess three years ago was twenty nineteen. Good lord, you were almost a year away from the pandemic at that point. Yeah, maybe it was more like five years ago. It was pretty close to the start of when I began this podcast. Again, that was one Roto Cash League redraft, one Roto Keeper League, and one home league head-to-head style with kind of weird settings. Believe it or not, five years ago, I wasn't even in a standard head-to-head nine-category league. I wasn't even in one. My head-to-head league had 11 categories. Still in that one today. It's added a few people from uh, inside Hoopball Sports Ethos. That league still exists, pleased to announce. And then other ones have been added on top of that. So this is like five years ago. And then over the following two or three years, I slowly added leagues to the fray. I found myself quite successful in those three leagues I was in. And I enjoyed making a little bit of money at the end of them. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is a bell curve for each of us that relates to how much success we can have plotted versus how much time it's going to take, basically. And success, I think you can probably measure just in cash. So what you want is to hit that midpoint on the bell curve where the amount of time invested gets you the maximum amount of dollars coming back. And at that point where I was, I was winning the leagues a lot, but I was probably putting in more time than I needed to. If I kept time constant but I added more leagues, I felt like I could probably hit a higher point on a curve. I guess if you were going to talk uh, integrals here, there'd be a bigger area under the curve. Area being cash now, and then the two axes being time and probably quantity of leagues or just, you know, overall total number uh, or amount of cash buy-in, I guess. I don't know what the other axis would be. Regardless... You know, four years ago then, a second Roto League was added. Three years ago, added a head-to-head league into the mix. Two seasons back, uh, the the Gobert year. Uh, sorry, Rudy, you're, you're that guy. The COVID Gobert year added another head-to-head league. This year, but here's the thing. So all along that journey, things are still going relatively well. I added that extra Roto League. I generally continued to win. I added the head-to-head league. Wasn't as great. Now, admittedly, I hadn't been in traditional 9-cat head-to-head leagues in a while, so that may have played a role in it. But I still felt like I had plenty of time to focus on each one individually. I also had a second kid mixed in there just a shade over two years ago, which threw a wrench into the equation. That, that, that buckled the curve a little bit, because, you know, time invested and so forth. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. 
Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. This most recent season, I went a little bit buck wild. Because at a certain point, you have to try to speed up the experiment a little bit. Adding one or two leagues every year wasn't working. Because I had no idea where the top point would be on this. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys ever watch The Price is Right. Um, I get into weird fits where I like to watch it every day, and then I'll go half a year without watching it at all, and then I'll dive back into it. First of all, great game show overall, big win. But they have a game on it called, I actually don't remember. It's it's something to do with chaos or, what, or something like that. Drew Carey gives the contestant an item he knows the price of the item the contestant does not which is i guess pretty typical for that show the contestant has to guess the price with drew carey yelling higher and lower it's basically like a hot and cold game and a clock runs they have 30 seconds to do it twice most contestants if they have their act together and they don't get too stressed out by being on stage on camera pick a low number and a high number back to back to start things off you know, the, I don't know what the item's going to be, a Roomba or whatever. And they'll say 400, and Drew Carey will say higher. And then they'll say 800, and he'll say lower. Or he might say higher again, which is great. And then they'll jump another big chunk, 1,100. Okay, lower. Now I know I've got a pretty good window between where the proper answer lies. I had failed. And then, by the way, to finish up the thought on that particular game, you sort of start shaving off halves, effectively. That's your quickest way into it into the pocket. So 400 the low, 800 the high, then they say 600 higher, 700 lower, 650 higher. Okay, you've got a 50-point range and you did that in like two and a half seconds. That's kind of what I needed to do with my own fantasy leagues and what I think many of you should actually experiment with as well, which is find the point where you go past the tip of the bell curve or the highest area under the curve. I'm, I don't know which math equation actually makes more sense for this particular discussion. Find the point at which you've now gone too far in something. It's really hard to find the perfect spot unless you, you've gone past it. Because if, until you actually hit that point, you never know when to take the step backwards. The way I was doing it for about three and a half or four seasons was very slowly climbing my way up the graph and saying, okay, well, I added another league and I continued to make good money. You know, money, average money made per year, probably a little bit better now than it was. I'll add another league or two. Okay, average money made per year, probably a little bit higher. How far could that go? So this most recent season, I added about six extra leagues all at once. Added another Roto League added another head-to-head league, added like three Yahoo public leagues. We added one on Fantrax. I don't think that one actually had any money on it, so I, I didn't end up paying attention to it. I got invited to a, a uh, Roto World League that was also free, but I wanted to put a little effort into that one because, you know, they're a big dog, man. It's cool to get invited by the big boys. And it was too many. <laughs> the, the jumping to the conclusion 
a la Office Space, jump to conclusions, of that notion was I went too far. But the lesson I learned was I should have done this three years ago. When I was only in four leagues, I should have just added six at that point. Was 10, is 10 going to be too many? I still don't really know for sure. Because I did the climb the wrong way. Instead, I started with three, three leagues, and then it was four, and then it was six, and then it was seven, and then it was frickin' 13, or whatever the, the timeline was. And now I know seven is too low and 13 is too high, but I've created way too big of a, a meaty core there too late in the process. So the lesson I can pass along from this part of the journey is, if you haven't done this before, figure out in your mind how much time you're willing to spend on fantasy sports. Is it exactly what you're spending right now? Is it a little bit more than what you're spending right now? It's probably not a little bit less, because if you've been coasting along at about the same clip for years, you kind of know how much time it's going to take up. If it's a little bit more... I would suggest adding a league or two. If it's a lot more, you can go a little bigger. And then on the other side of that, how successful are you in the leagues you're in right now? I put a a tweet out. I tweeted, I don't know what's the proper nomenclature here. I use it a lot. I should probably just say I tweeted a few months back, about a month ago, I guess. I think after the season had come to an end, which is about a month now all of a sudden. By the way, show 20 of our offseason. Pretty cool. Four weeks in the books. I tweeted, I'm in too many leagues right now. At the end of this year, I am going to eliminate leagues. I apologize. I think I was apologizing because people are always inviting me into ones. And then I have to apologize to folks that I'm in leagues and let those folks know that I, I can't do them anymore. Because finally, I had hit that point. And some folks said, you know, you know, good on you. Here's how many leagues I'm in. And somebody was like, oh, I do one league and it's a big buy. It's a $1,000 buy-in or something like that. And I thought to myself, okay, like that's, that works for you. But, I mean, if you find yourself winning that league enough to have a significantly positive ROI, you might be wise to add another smaller buy-in league on the side. Because basically that's the equation that we're working on right now in this little project is if you're winning then that means you have a little bit more bandwidth. You know when you've exceeded your bandwidth when you stop winning. That's when you've gone too far. And this year, uh, I basically broke even on leagues that I was in in terms of winnings. I, uh, and I'll admit, a lot of it had to do with where my draft pick was because if you ended up with a pick in the bottom three, you tended not to win. And I didn't, place in any of the leagues where I ended up with a bottom three pick, which unfortunately out of 10 cash Yahoo leagues, that was like five or six of them. Thanks, randomizers. Bottom three. And then in the leagues where I was anywhere else, I did relatively well. I won a few of them. I didn't win a couple others. But like overall, if you just took the five-ish, four or five leagues where my picks were not in the Paul George, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler quadrant, Anthony Davis quadrant, then I'm, I won money on those. But overall, I broke even, and so maybe you can blame some of that on having a super late pick. 
and how this particular season played itself out. It's possible that if I was in fewer leagues and I was only in the ones where I got bad picks, this might have been a horrible league year for fantasy for me. Or maybe I would have had more time to focus on those leagues and rectify the problem. I don't actually know that part for sure, and I probably can't know that until some additional experimentation takes place. One thing I do know is that it just wasn't as fun for me to have that many leagues going and trying to juggle that many different things. It just wasn't. So what I would suggest many of you do is assess. Take a moment here right in the middle of the podcast. Pause the show. I'll give you a second here. Hit click pause. Okay. I guess I probably should have told you what to do before I told you to click pause. You unpause, and I'll tell you what to do, and then I'll tell you to click pause. <laughs> it's good, good show, Dan. When you click pause, I want you thinking. Question one, you ask yourself, do I have more time to dig- dedicate to this? Yes or no? Doesn't really matter. You can quantify it. I don't need you to for me. Two, how much am I winning? Do I win most of the time, a lot of the time, some of the time, not that much? And if the answer on either of those questions is, to the first one, yes, I have more time, and to the second one, yes, I win a lot, you should take this journey too. Because you have an opportunity to turn this into almost like a side gig. Like if you're good, and the people you're playing with aren't that good... You can turn this into a little bit of a side gig. You can also get involved in Yahoo Pro Leagues, which I do want to talk about those for just a minute or two uh, here during this podcast. Yeah, I understand that it's, it's sometimes hard to find a new league, and if you're going through Twitter, you're going to end up with other people that are maybe at a slightly better skill level than if you're just playing with random friends that you had since college or whatever that maybe don't take it as seriously as you do. So there are those little factors you got to work in, but that's a problem for you guys to think about. Point is, if you're winning a lot and it's basically too easy and you've you're you have the bandwidth, add more. Don't go too nuts. If you're in one league, add one. If you're in two leagues, add two. It's that kind of thing. Create a window where there's a chance like a 25% chance you overshoot, which is what I did this year. I overshot because I basically doubled my number of leagues from year to year. And that would have been a much smarter thing to do when I was only in three or four as opposed to when I was in seven. (laughs) Oops. But I needed that data point, and I was tired of waiting, and I knew that there was a chance that this season wouldn't go as well because of that giant uptick in the amount of actual work that needed to be done. I couldn't cover it all. It was too much. But now I can throttle it back by halves. Pull three leagues out, basically. If I went up by six, come three back. And then maybe I find that juicy spot where this is the exact right number of leagues I can be in. The next part of the equation, hopefully you've paused and you've asked yourself the important questions. The next part of the equation is how much money can you have on the line while still feeling safe in your day-to-day activities? This to me is a harder thing to experiment with and an easier one to just visualize. 
So just take a second now and think to yourself, how much am I comfortable losing? Like a trip to Vegas, how much am I comfortable losing if everything went wrong? If I got 12th pick in every league I'm in and I ended up with Paul George, all of them, so I had no first rounder, and my second rounder coming back was Anthony Davis, who played, what, a third of the year, and I just had no shot. Because if you had those two guys, or if you had Paul George and Bradley Beal, or really almost any combination of the four names I've mentioned, you weren't going to win. Your best case scenario was like fourth place. You had to be pretty good to get to that point without a first or a second rounder. Let's say everything goes terribly wrong. Are you comfortable losing 100 bucks, 400 bucks, 1000 No. I'm not comfortable losing $1,000. That's too much to me. Am I comfortable losing four or 500 Yeah, I guess. Really, really, really don't want to. I feel confident enough in my own abilities that I wouldn't. But would I be able to wake up the next day and not have a twisting, nagging, ulcerative pit in my stomach? Yeah, I think I'd survive. Would you? Could you go bigger? Probably. Some of you make more money than I do. Some of you don't. We're all different people. Figure out what is the absolute worst case scenario you could accept and still pick up a laptop and play fantasy sports again the next year. Or pick up a mirror, frankly, and look at yourself in it and not smash the mirror and detonate your life. What is the number? Because then you have to figure out how you want to split that over your leagues. I believe that because there are seasons like this one, and you guys can disagree with me on this, because there's, there's a case to be made that putting all of your eggs into one basket can work because you can focus every ounce of strength on that one league. But I would counter with even the best of us thought that at least you'd get some kind of season out of Paul George this year. We knew Jimmy Butler was going to miss some games. It was worse than expected, but it wasn't a complete and total disaster in the way that Paul George was. Bradley Beal was a complete disaster this year. We thought, I don't know, there was a chance he might take a little step back, but no one saw this level of step back coming, and then the injury on top of it. Anthony Davis, there's always the injury-prone stuff. Can't really put him in that same bucket. Kevin Durant missing half the year. He probably could have seen that coming. Injury stuff, yeah. I mean, he was so good that it, he was able to cancel it out a little bit. Dame, they were pretty cryptic about that injury until after the season started, or really like the last day before it. So if you're in a league where, let's say, you're comfortable losing a grand, and you put it all in that one league, and you ended up again with some weird combination of like Dame and... Vooch, who was actually okay, but more so from a total standpoint of like, or Damon AD, or again, George, or Beal, or Butler, or any of these names that I've been talking about, you got a a thousand bucks on the line, and you know right from like the second month of the season that you're screwed? Diversify your assets a little bit. I would still recommend it. Even if you prefer to go a little bit bigger, Maybe you have one league that's a little heavier than the others. But it is pretty important that because of the value 
of an early first round pick, which has always kind of been the case, but it's really been the case the last two years. Thank you, Nikola Jokic, for completely screwing up fantasy drafts for anybody who likes to do snake drafts. I would say the proper move is figure out what leagues you are maybe the best at. And for me, it's Roto more than head-to-head. Maybe you put a little bit more of your sauce in those buckets. If you're willing to, say, drop $500 and you think you have the time to play in about four leagues, you could do, I don't know, $200 Roto League and then 100 bucks spread across another three or... You could do a $250 Roto Leagues and $200 head-to-heads or whatever it turns out to be, or flip it. I don't care. Again, maybe you just massage the buy-ins a little bit in the direction of the leagues where you feel the most accomplished. Or, screw it, if you're going straight profit, just split the money right down the middle in four leagues that are exactly the same in this hypothetical scenario. And that way, again, you're just diversifying, where if one league horrible luck strikes you, Not all 500 of your dollars are lost. You can still have a profitable season. So please, I ask you all, in this Friday weekend show, this this very reflective, emotional Friday weekend show about how we all address our fantasy basketball time commitment and what we want to get out of it, take a minute to actually figure out what makes sense for you. For me, it's time for me to dial it back. I'm going to remove at least three leagues this coming year. And I'm going to try to move the cash around a little bit as well. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I think I've already informed a couple folks that uh, that league is done. I will not be joining a Yahoo Pro head-to-head league next year. That was a horrible experience. Ugh. Ugh. Daily fab head-to-head? That's terrible. With next-day moves? Come on. If you want to pull a guy out of your IL, you can't. I mean, yeah, no. No, pass, pass, pass. Not being able to pick up a guy for that night? Absolutely brutal. No, thank you. I actually didn't mind the Yahoo Pro uh, Fab Roto Leagues all that much. That was fine. An okay experience there. It's pretty easy to hit the games cap, but whatever. I wanted to talk about pro leagues a little bit towards the end of the show, but we're approaching half an hour, so maybe we'll save that for another day. So for now, just take the weekend and think, could I be squeezing more out of this orange? Let's let's make it the most we can. Let's cash in as much as we can, but it might take a year of overshooting to figure out where that optimum point is. But I'll tell you this, if you find it and you can sit on it and coast with it for a long, long time, you'll make more money than if you ended up too low for too long. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great weekend, everybody. Monday, back with playoff recap stuff, some more lessons learned. Hopefully, we'll get to talk to some other people as my schedule gets less weird. Uh, and then I think we've got some cool stuff coming out over on the fantasy content side as well. For now, please do check out my buddies over at Fantasy NFL Today and Fantasy MLB Today, baseball, football, and basketball podcasts here at Sports Ethos. Super proud of all that we are putting together. Talk to you guys on Monday, everybody. So long.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.